Ready? Born ready. Hey, welcome to another episode of Where the Party At. I'm your host, Saba Long. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday with your family and friends. By the way, did you feel the price of inflation when you were out shopping for Thanksgiving food? Don't feel too bad. Inflation in Turkey, the country, is at 19%. So at least we're not that bad. Dang. Uh, so Thanksgiving is a time where people talk about politics at the dinner table, right? In Atlanta, I'm sure a lot of families were talking about the election. Tuesday, November 30th, Atlanta will choose a new mayor, new city council, and a new school board. So last week, I mentioned that voter turnout was really low in the runoff compared to the general election, which was November 2nd. So it looks like a lot of folks decided to go vote before the Thanksgiving holiday. So the turnout is technically lower than in the general, but it's just a tiny amount. It's only by a few thousand votes. Um, so about 30,000 people have voted so far. About 2,000 have requested absentee ballots. So that's around 32,000 people. Now, according to the AJC, in the 2017 general election, about 68% of the folks who voted waited to vote on election day. And that's pretty close to what we saw also in the 2021 general. So a lot of folks have waited until election day to go vote. It really all comes down to voter turnout on election day. So Andre Dickens has been riding on a wave since getting into the runoff. Now he's always had the backing of former mayor Shirley Franklin, but in the runoff, a lot of the folks who have supported Kasim have now gone to Andre. I talked about this before. This includes Kasim's mentor, former ambassador, and former mayor, Andy Young, folks in the entertainment industry, and folks in politics. He's gotten endorsements from celebrities and for many of his council colleagues. Now, over the weekend, he had a big get out the vote rally with you name it, Atlanta celebrity. Now, on this podcast, we're always ahead of the game. So we interviewed Andre back in the summer when he had just announced that he was going to run. And I asked him if he was part of the political establishment because he's had the backing of folks like Shirley Franklin. And then now he's got the backing of folks who were supporting Kasim. Here's what he had to say in that interview. And Andre, you have uh, certainly in your previous election, and even now, uh, you know, Atlanta, again, the same thing, Atlanta's kind of had always had an establishment can candidate, right? There's always been, you know, the person picked, and I'm going to stay with the black mayors on this front, who the black elite helped elect, right? And said, this is our person, we're going to get them in office. Um, I would say that you are also an establishment black can candidate, especially compared to Maybe Felicia Moore, who's always seen as kind of out of the political establishment, or even Antonio Brown, who kind of beats his own drum as well. Uh, so, what do you say to someone who says, "Well, I want something. I want someone different." Yeah. Aren't you just the same as the you know the establishment candidates we've had for the past six mayors? You know, anybody that says that doesn't know me well. So I have to make sure I uh, explain to them a little bit about my past. I don't 
come from a silver spoon. I don't come from anybody that was connected to a mayor. I don't have a, a family member that's had a job in city hall or anybody that um, was invited to mayor's balls. There ain't a person in my family that has ever been to a mayor's ball. They're going to go to one soon though. You never took your mom to the mayor's ball or um, a family, your sister. <laughs> what I mean by that is um, we're not a part of the Atlanta in crowd or the former, you know, all this legacy and those things. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad and proud of my working class roots. I'm, I'm proud that my mom had to invest so much in me that I got to be able to live out her dream of going to college. So when I made these dreams come true for her, I'm, I'm not a part of any establishment but hers. So I don't know, you know, whatever, so whoever this, you know, fictitious character that would call me an establishment person, I've earned uh, this this opportunity to serve the city I love. And, you know, because I've been, you know, elected twice uh, to city council, because I've... But wouldn't you, know, you say the my... same thing applies for Felicia or for Antonio? They also, I don't think, have family members who are connected to the city. Yeah, but I, I was born and raised in the city and I still wasn't connected to the city uh, establishment like that. So this is me being able to see all of Atlanta, not as an outsider, to the city, but an outsider to all that who's who have who's who's got you know the, the the upper hand in the city. The people whose voices that haven't been heard, they're heard through me, because I have lived the experience of coming from the quote unquote wrong other side of the tracks, you know, flipping burgers at 15 years old at Burger King, pushing grocery carts at Kroger at 16 for a living. I mean, this is, you know, I valet park cars to get through college. So, so scrappiness, although, you know, I'm this happy, smiley guy, blessed by God, I scrap. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I know how to get through things. And so when you call me establishment, I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to fight the offense because what I want to do is just fight for the city. So they see it. You know what I mean? Okay. I think Andre was surprised when I asked him that question, uh, but I think it is funny. That that's exactly how this race is shaping up now. Uh, now, when I interviewed Felicia, I asked her if she could even compete against someone who's connected to the celebrity influencer class. Here's what she had to say. Well, mm -hmm. The voter who like likes to shine, right? Like, Oh, I like, I like that. Mm -hmm. So-and-so celebrity is endorsing, or I like that, mm -hmm. you know, the former mayor is seen with, I don't know, name, insert rapper, insert Hollywood person. Mm -hmm. How do you differ? How do you get them to vote for you over the person that seems kind of like cool and hip? Well, if cool and hip is what they're attracted to and because you're seen with a celebrity or an influencer and that's what you use in your decision making process to vote. I don't think that I can change that uh, because I'm not a celebrity mayor and I'm not going about this about celebrity or to be with celebrities. I'm doing it because as I started out in my neighborhood up to where I am now, I really want to serve this city and make this city work. And so I, what I would say to them is a celebrity is great, but someone who's going to be doing the work is better because you want this city to be great. And you're probably proud of your city and you're 
people are proud of you and happy about you because you live in Atlanta. Well, there's a lot of hard work to be done. That's not the most glamorous things to do. And somebody needs to be committed to do it and not be, uh, you know, busy trying to be with paparazzi and, and all of that. So, you know, I can, I, I'm okay with a little shine and I like celebrities too, but I'm about here to do the hard work. And I think you have to have people that are willing to do that. And I would hope that they would think beyond the bling and think about the real thing that's important to the city and that's making it safe, making it work and uh, making sure that we have a great brand that is not a brand of corruption. So if you haven't already, I encourage you to go listen to the interviews I did with Andre and Felicia. I'll put them in the show notes so it's easy for you to find them. They both gave great interviews and a lot of the things that have come up during the runoff are actually things we discussed in those interviews. By the way, another interesting thing that has happened that feels like total inside baseball, but it's worth bringing up. Uh, there's this pro-Felicia group called Safer Atlanta. Uh, in the general election, they focused all their arrows on Kasim, and now in the runoff, obviously, they're coming after Andre. So Andre alleged that they darkened his face on some campaign material, uh, <laughs> and he jumped on it, and he told Felicia that she should denounce the actions of this group. And so she responded by saying she didn't know what he was talking about and said, you know, bring it to my attention, and then, you know, I guess we'll go from there. So darkening a black candidate's face has been used in the past as a way to scare voters. Um, you know, I remember when Kasim ran for mayor in 2008, and people joked that he would be the first black mayor of Atlanta because he was the first dark-skinned black mayor. Dang. All the other black candidates before him were have been light-skinned. Um, which is a whole nother onion to unpeel about why that's the case in a black city. Um, so back to Felicia and Andre. So over the past couple of weeks, Andre has been going at Felicia about stuff like this. He's been landing some good political shots. Uh, some of it, probably most of it has just been uh, him responding to her unforced errors. Um, but Felicia finally said enough's enough and she hit back. So she did this whole press conference about colorism and said that she was proud to be a black woman. She went on Kiss 104 and listened to what she said to them. I think that the deacon say anything Andre Dickens needs to be ashamed of himself. Mm. To paint a black woman in this light and to use this you know, we can be our own worst enemies. And if you want, if we've got people that are being shot and killed on our streets, people, women being raped on our streets. We got a 68% increase in rape in our city. Our city service delivery is abysmal. We have serious issues. People can't find homes because of housing affordability. Our infrastructure is crumbling. And we're talking about whether or not she's black enough and whether she'll support the black community. And, putting out pure lies. I will call it as it is. Don't let my niceness fool you. Mm. I try to be professional and I try to keep it even keel. But when you push me to a certain point, I will punch you back. And I'm punching back on this. Stop it. Okay. So a friend of mine sent me a text on election night, November 2nd. 
and asked for my predictions for the runoff. And I said, even though the runoff is between two black people, it's still going to come down to race and this election will still be about race. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Um, what's getting lost, what we're not talking about is policy, leadership, vision, the issues, affordable housing, black entrepreneurship, education, workforce development. That's what actually matters in this election. So at the end of the day, what are you going to do, Felicia, Andre, to actually transform this city? How are you going to make sure that a kid living in poverty has a real shot in this life? How are you as mayor going to work with the school board, the council, the nonprofit community, churches, the businesses to actually connect those dots and make a difference? In Atlanta, I'm, I'm just tired of our city playing small with incremental bite-sized change. So <laughs> I don't know if this is a change election. It should be. Uh, perhaps it could be, and it will be, I don't know, we'll see. But all I can say is go vote. Uh, election day is tomorrow, Tuesday, November 30th. Polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Fulton County. There's one little weird twist. If you live in Atlanta, DeKalb, so you live in Atlanta on the DeKalb side, you should get to the polls by 7 p.m. because technically in DeKalb, the window the poll is open until eight, but I was reading somewhere that if you come within that seven to eight window, you'll actually get a provisional ballot. Uh, and by the way, if you didn't vote in the general, but you want to vote in the runoff, you are eligible to vote, assuming that you are, of course, registered to vote. Speaking of voter registration, um, I'm going to talk about something that's happening in New York that I think is really fascinating. And I don't know if it's going to make its way to Atlanta, but we'll see. So New York City just had their mayoral elections. Uh, Bill de Blasio is on his way out and Eric Adams is on his way in. So a little something about legislation and uh, how it happens. So usually in legislation, when there's something that's controversial, there's a couple things a mayor can do. They can veto the bill. Uh, they can sign the legislation immediately. Um, or they can sign it at any point in a 30-day window. The other alternative is they can just wait for that 30-day period to automatic to end, and the legislation will automatically become law. So that last option is a way of just showing that maybe you don't approve of a piece of legislation, but you don't want to go through the political hoops of vetoing it. Why does all this matter? So in New York City, in the city council, there's a bill that would allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. Let me stress that this is only local elections. So what is a non-citizen? So in this case, that would be someone who is a green card holder or someone who has the right to work in the United States. So in other words, they're here on a work visa. Uh, this legislation would mean that in New York City, Almost a million people, it's about 850,000, if this legislation passes, would be able to vote for mayor, city council, and other local seats in New York City. Now, if New York's rules are similar to Georgia's, these folks can already contribute to a candidate, right? So if you are a non, uh, if you are a non-citizen and you are a permanent resident, in other words, you have a green card, 
you can make a campaign contribution, you just can't vote. So there are enough council members in support of this bill that the mayor really wouldn't be able to veto it. Now, de Blasio hasn't said that he would veto it. He said he probably would not. Uh, but he did raise two big concerns with the bill. One, he's not sure if the bill is actually legal, right? And that he thinks that this would require state approval. And then number two, he's worried that this will actually discourage non-citizens from actually applying to become citizens since they would have local voting rights. So back to the 30-day window. Once that legislation passes, the 30-day window will include the transition from the de Blasio administration to the Eric Adams administration. There's going to be an overlap of transition and power. So that means a new mayor, Eric Adams, could determine if this legislation actually becomes law in New York City. Now, Eric Adams has basically laid out the same concerns as de Blasio. The other wrinkle, the other problem here is that if the New York City Board of Elections, so that city's Board of Elections, if they'll actually change their procedures to implement the change. Um, they could wait until they're forced to do it by the state um, or if it goes to the courts and the courts demand that they do it. So this has already happened in some other places. Non-citizens can already vote in local elections in San Francisco and in some Maryland cities. Now, here in Georgia, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is pushing for an amendment to the state's constitution that makes clear that only American citizens can vote in Georgia elections, period. Now, any change to the constitution, that requires the legislation to pass by two-thirds in the state house and in the state senate. And then the next step is that it would go to the voters in a referendum. So in other words, it would be a question on your ballot statewide. So you can absolutely expect Republicans in New York to sue if this does become law. And you can expect for it to be a talking point in 2022. If I was a Republican operative, I would absolutely use this as an issue. This is red meat, especially at a time when trust in the electoral process is already so damaged. I mean, the ads write themselves. I do think this is a topic worthy of debate, and I'll be curious to see what happens in New York uh, over the next couple weeks. So speaking of debate, the doggone pandemic just won't go away. We are now on the Omicron and the new variants. The Omicron variant was discovered by South African scientists, and I'm bringing this up because as an African, I'm just a little annoyed by this. There's been a lot of confusion. Folks are saying that this thing originated in South Africa, but what actually happened was it was discovered by South African scientists. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it, but I just want to point out that this is just really tough for African countries that rely so heavily on tourism. We're in the, you know, we're in December, or we're about to be in December, and December, January is when most folks are traveling to Africa, right? For uh, they're escaping the cold uh, winter and they're going over to the warm. So this is just another big blow to the local economies in African countries like South Africa, Botswana. It's also worth pointing out that while here in the West, we have the luxury of actually throwing vaccines away, uh, other parts of the globe are still trying to get full access to the vaccine. So bringing this back, stateside. 
Uh, I think as the pandemic continues, I think folks are starting to tune it out um, and attitudes are going to continue to shift to, so what? So what? There's a new variant. Um, I have some friends who have the approach of, I'm vaccinated, go let me live my life, I don't care. Uh, and then I have other friends who've said, I'm not getting vaccinated, I'm going to live with the consequences and go let me live my life. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think freedom is going to be the buzzword and maybe supply chain too. Dang. All right. So last couple things on the Where the Party at podcast for today. Uh, Lauren Boebert, I don't know if you know this name. She is a young Republican congresswoman from Colorado. She's basically Colorado's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, so she was speaking to a group of people. I think this was in Colorado. I'm not sure. And she made up this story about being in an elevator at the Capitol with Ilhan Omar, who's a Muslim congresswoman from Minnesota. Ilhan is a member of the squad. So Lauren goes on to basically say that she tells the Capitol police officer that she's going to be okay because she's in an elevator with Ilhan, but Ilhan doesn't have a backpack on her. In other words, she's saying that Ilhan isn't a suicide bomber. And Lauren goes on to say other just crude, ridiculous things. Why is this worthy, uh, worthy of conversation? Because Lauren and other members of the Republican Party continue to frame Democrats that they disagree with, folks like Ilhan Omar and AOC, as people who hate America. And she's actually tweeted this, that they are people who hate America. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, Congressman Paul Gosar, he shared a cartoon video of him in a sword fight with President Joe Biden, and then him killing AOC in this video. Uh, in reaction, Congress stripped Paul of his committee privileges, and this also happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene here in Georgia. She also was stripped of her committee privileges. We now have the strength stripped away. So there's the stuff that you say and do to rile up your base. Uh, and then there's the stuff you say and do that ends up having a lasting impact. Words matter. These French folks like Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Paul Gosar are strangling the Republican Party. Because even when the GOP establishment says they don't stand for that and they take away committee assignments, it doesn't stop. It keeps happening. These folks get more campaign contributions. They get more support from the alt-right. They get more media hits outside of mainstream media. They are rewarded in other ways. So I was catching up with some friends in town over the weekend, and we were talking about how likely are we to see a civil war in our lifetime? And when I hear stuff like this, I think, geez, probably pretty freaking lightly, right? Political rhetoric can lead to political violence. And I think it's, it's something that as a, as a country, we need to have a conversation about this and say no more because there is a line and the line has continued to be crossed and there's been no real ramifications for those actions. All right, last on the list. Joe Biden. Joe Biden, if you're listening, I just want to let you know that you need to hire 
the Just Eldridge team to get your approval numbers up. Seriously. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of good coming out of the White House as it relates to domestic policy, but it's just not clicking for folks. I don't know if it's because they don't have the right messenger. I don't know if it's because mainstream media thrives on conflict. And it's a lot easier to sell and get clicks for stories that say Joe Biden has low approval ratings than it is to say Biden brings broadband to rural America. Uh, So Biden, if you're listening and you're trying to figure out how to get your message directly to the people, let us know. Give us a call. You need to talk about the child tax credit program. What is this? The American Rescue Plan increased the child tax credit from $2,000 per child to $3,000 per child for children over the age of six and from $2,000 to $3,600 for children under the age of six. And it raised that age limit from 16 to 17. So that means real money in the pockets of families. You need to talk about the infrastructure bill. And what does that mean for black men who were pavers or who were electricians? And you should be working with the state and local governments to ensure and maybe even incentivize workforce development programs. So those infrastructure projects are actually being built by locals in the community, local talent. Talk about universal free pre-K and what that's going to mean for a grandmother who's having to help out her daughter and son-in-law who can't afford regular childcare, right? Or that young family that's just starting out, the single mother. Like what, what does all this stuff mean for them? There's a lot of good stuff in the Build Back Better framework. But again, this the messaging is not getting to where it needs to get. So communicate it. Get the public engaged so they can help you by contacting their congresspeople and senators and saying, hey, if you don't support this agenda, we're voting you out because this is an agenda that helps me individually and my family. And here's how. So, Joe Biden, give us a call. All right. That is today's podcast. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. Atlanta voters, make sure you go vote. If you're listening and you live in a city or state where there's also a runoff election, make sure you go vote. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And now we're moving on to Christmas. All my Jewish friends and listeners, happy Hanukkah. I'm out.